Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Let's jump into the talk. If you uh, have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 26. That's where we're going to be, Matthew 26. And for an introductory idea, I saw... Pastor Steve Huffman. Here's a a picture of Pastor Steve. I saw Pastor Steve pretty much cry in public. I saw it. You want to know what happened? No? I just need one person to say yes. Okay, so here's what, the the context is important because Steve's a tough guy. We all know that. Uh, But Here's the deal, and it'll make sense. He, he was called upon to do his own father's memorial service. And if you don't know, which I think you probably all know this, that's a tough position to be in because of the emotion of all that. And so that's, there's actually kind of an unwritten pastor code. I don't know, maybe I'll... And uh, it's this. If you've got to do one of your loved one's funerals, whoever knows your... They pray. I remember probably telling Steve before he did it because I got to be at the service, and I'm like, man, I'll be praying for you because I knew it was going to be hard. Long story short, Steve did great. He did great the whole time. He was doing such a phenomenal job of honoring his father, but he got to one point where he started to remember some of his fond memories of his dad, and he said something like this in his talk. Whoops, that's not it. He said, go to the exploring auto repair meeting. And then he was overcome with emotion as he thought about repairing vehicles. No, that wasn't it. He, he dwelled for just a moment on a memory of that basically his father worked three jobs for a season to pay for some of Steve's childhood uh, medical expenses. And I still, it's burned into my brain because it's like he paused and he thought of the sacrifices his father had made for him. And that was when he began to become overcome with emotion. He, and I prayed, oh, help him, Lord. That was the moment. But you know what? What I would say to you, doesn't that make sense? Because we become aware of someone else, and I'm going to make a shift here. The sacrificial love of another person is inspiring and impactful. Here's the simple concept we're going to head right now. One characteristic of love, and I think we can agree on this, a characteristic of love is sacrifice. Amen? It's true. That's why I thought of another friend who, uh, for a long time, up until his mom died, he would visit his mother, who was suffering from severe Alzheimer's and dementia. But he faithfully would arguably sacrifice to go and visit her, even though, here's what he said about the situation. He said, she doesn't recognize me anymore. It's painful to see her in this condition. But he went on to say, but I'll never stop visiting my mom. So he was, you see how he was going through sacrifice to visit his mom. Why? Because he loved his mom. If you need a lighter example, I saw this last, it was like Tuesday. I saw like a one minute clip of a, um, oh, who's this dude? Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris clip. 
Anybody remember Chuck? Yeah. So I'm going to botch this. If you're a Chuck Norris fan and you know all about the movies, you can clarify what was exactly happening, but this is what I saw for a minute. Of course, it's an adventure thing, and Chuck, apparently there was, a, there was Chuck and this beautiful Hispanic woman who I think must have liked him. You know, like, oh, Chuck Norris. I like your beard. She didn't say that, but I felt it as I was watching the clip. So long story short, there's like, there's this, this, you know, there's this woman and Chuck and a bad guy comes around the barn with a gun and he's going to, he's going to shoot Chuck. And so Rosita jumps in the way. Okay, her name wasn't Rosita. I made that up too. But this is true. This is a little clip. She gets in the way. Oh no, Chuck! And she gets it. And she, she takes the bullet for Chuck. She falls back on the Chuck. They're on the ground. She's laying in Chuck's arms. She looks up at Chuck. Oh, Chuck Norris, I took the bullet for you. <laughs> she didn't really say that. But there was the, I, you know, and he was, oh, uh. So why did she jump? It was, she loved him. And so she sacrificed, point is, right? Love brings, motivates people toward sacrifice. It's a characteristic of love. Some Bible verses. John 3.16, you may have heard this one. For God so loved the world that he gave. Sacrifice. John 15.13, greater love has no one, no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend. Love sacrifices. Another example from Luke 10, there's a teaching that you may know of. Uh, it's kind of known as the teaching of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is teaching people about how to love their neighbor well. And he uses this story of a Samaritan who loves his neighbor well. And here's what he does. The, the, his neighbor had gone through a, a, a mess, he's in trouble, and he bandaged his wounds. He put the man on his own donkey, which is a sacrifice, because it's his donkey. And he goes on to reimburse for any extra medical expenses that there may be. Love, sacrifices. So hold that thought. We are, for a couple weeks here, going to focus on God's Love. It's a little mini-series before Easter on God's love, and we're going to focus on the, perhaps, the greatest example of sacrificial love ever, which is the moments where Jesus decided and went to the cross and sacrificed himself for us. A little side note before we jump in today's text. I would, I want to invite you to uh, make worship and church a priority for the next couple weeks, um, even though the talks may not be perfect and they may not be all about you. In fact, they won't be. I, I feel like we're supposed to spend a couple weeks and really just focus on our incredible God and his love for us. So even if the worship isn't phenomenal and even if the coffee would be cold and even if it's a challenge, maybe if you're at home and you're thinking, it's time. See, you've had the vaccine. Like, you know it's time to get off the couch. Oops. <laughs> now, I realize for some, it's still appropriate, and you're doing the home thing, but there's probably two or three of like, but I like my couch. 
oh, Chuck Norris, I like my couch. I don't know why I said that. But for some of you, it's time for the sake of honoring the sacrifice of God. I'd encourage you, don't get up on Sundays or Saturdays and go, oh, should we go to church? Just do it to honor a God who would sacrifice for us. That was a little mini talk, I guess, there. So today, we're going to be in Matthew 26, and we're going to explore where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, and moving toward the sacrifice on the cross. So the background here is Jesus has come to earth. He's done his teaching and healing ministry. Uh, He's about to uh, go toward the cross. Um, He's shared the Last Supper with his disciples. He's told them he's going to die. And now knowing what is coming, he heads out to this garden to pray. Picking it up in verse 36. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, can we do something else here? Yet not as I will, but as you will. I'll sum up a couple verses. Jesus basically repeats this type of prayer three times. He prays, then he goes back to his disciples who fail. They're supposed to be awake praying, but they fall asleep. So this happens three times. Pick it up in verse 43. It says, he came back and he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So the title of the talk today is just a look at the sacrificial love of Jesus. And uh, I know for some of this, this may be a reminder you have a grasp of the love, the sacrificial love of God. But for others, there could be some new stuff. Uh, and the, the love of God is a powerful thing, and it's one significant aspect of God. So let me pray, and I'm going to give you a couple ideas about Jesus' sacrificial love. So Father, I do pray that uh, I've got some things to say, I think you want me to say. Um, but we, as usual, ask that your voice would be the loudest voice, and in the midst of that, you would talk to us. Because that's the best thing, Lord, is when we hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple things, if you're on site, you can write some things on the handout there. First is this, Jesus' sacrificial love included... Significant emotional stress. Emotional stress. 
And that, that idea of emotional stress is probably an understatement. Because in verse 37, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said, this is a big statement. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point, to the point of death. Wow. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That intrigued me, so I tried to study the words a little bit to see if I could get any more insight. Two words stuck out to me in this description of overwhelmed to the point of death. The first word in the original language looks like this, and it's pronounced that, whatever, lopio. And it's used, get this, some of you will relate to what I'm about to say. It's used to describe the physical pain of childbirth. Now, I've heard that that can be stressful. Is there anyone that would like to testify that childbirth can be a pain? Okay, we got, oh, more than one. But I just thought that was interesting that the word could be used to describe the physical pain of childbirth. I, um, I was present when our children were being born, and it looks hard. I'm just saying. I actually remember at one point, it was, it was so, <laughs> I almost fainted, and I was doing nothing, but I remember this, this uh, skilled nurse on the other side, because I was coaching and trying to be encouraging, and the skilled nurse on the other side actually said to me, hey, Mr. Pope, I think you should sit down, and I'm like, why? And she's like, because the blood's draining out of your face, you should sit down for a minute. So I did, sat down for a minute, and then I was back on it. Okay, we're going to do this. But so anyway, just to get a picture of what's going on in Jesus, right, he's being overwhelmed. Part of this could be described. It's like the emotional pain. It's like the pain of childbirth. The other word is this other word, and it's, it's an encompassing sorrow that is all around. It's the idea of being engulfed in grief, engulfed in grief. Closest thing I could think of, I was trying to think of a time whenever engulfed in grief. Now, this may not make sense right away, um, but when it came time to give my oldest daughter away in marriage, that was really hard for me. So here's a picture of my daughter, Leah. Some of you know Leah, Leah leads the worship stuff here. And just so you, doesn't that feel like a wonderfully warm, fuzzy picture? That's my beloved wife. It's like, doesn't that feel good? It didn't feel that good to me, the idea of giving my daughter away. Side note, I was for the marriage. I love Andrew. Like, I was for it. But when I, okay, so here's what happened. My wife said, hey, now before the wedding, there's this thing, it's the first look from the father, so you like, Leah was going to get all dressed up, and then that's the time when I get to, to, to be with Leah for a little bit before she goes through all this, and I remember thinking, well, I should have something fatherly to say, right? And so I thought, this is good. And so it was the day before the wedding, and I knew, because I love my daughter, I knew, like, this is going to be kind of hard, so I should probably write something out. Is anybody with me? Went out to the fire pit behind our house, had a piece of paper, and I started to, cons to consider some of the memories I had 
of my daughter? And how in the world am I going to express my love to her? And somehow this is all changing. And then basically I became (laughs) a totally blubbering for an hour ugly cry snot if you were outside looking in you call 911 that man's having a seizure because i was a total wreck and my right <laughs> help me and i was like help me god i can't do this god this is the whole thing so you know what i thought i thought okay that was helpful i got all done and i thought i am so glad i did that so that tomorrow when I share this with her, I won't do that. (laughs) I decided to share in the morning instead of waiting and trying to do it during the whole wedding thing because I knew it was going to be hard. So I invited Leah, and she reminded me it was the day of the wedding, Dad. So I invited her down to the basement. I know which chair I was sitting in. I cried about this this week when I was making these notes. She was there, and I began, and I, I just started the, the conversation with a memory. I said, Leah, you remember when we were, you were just tiny, and I would say, I love you, and then you would say, I love you more, and I would say, I love you the most, and I have said that to my daughter hundreds, if not thousands of times. I got to that point when I was trying to communicate to her, and then it all happened again. (laughs) Seizure, blubber, just read it yourself. (laughs) And by the way, if if you wonder what it was like, my daughter actually told me this week, because I said I'd like to share that story. And she described it as one of the the worst days. It was a horrible. She said, Dad, that was horrible. (laughs) She said it was horrible. I think deep down she meant lovely, but she said horrible. It was so hard for her. And she's actually warned my other daughter. She said, hey, when Dad does the dad talk, when you're going to, if you ever get married, it's really bad. So get ready. So anyway. All right. So that was just a little. So Jesus here is overwhelmed. He is engulfed in grief. And so if you can think of a time maybe where you were engulfed in grief, in grief, it's probably worse scenario than I was in the midst of that. But Jesus is going through that kind of thing like on steroids. Because Jesus is an hour away from being taken, when he starts to pray, he's an hour away of being taken away by a group of soldiers and they're going to beat him silly. That's what's coming. And then from there, they're going to pass Jesus off to a professional executioner who is going to take a whip. And it's not just a regular whip. It's a whip that's got like pieces of glass in it and, and lead balls and pieces of pottery. It's designed. He's going to get the flesh ripped off of his back in such a professional way that it'll almost kill him, but it won't really kill him. So that's what he's praying about here. And from there, he's going to be required to carry part of the cross and go up, and then he's going to go, he's going to bob up and down on a cross for hours just trying to get enough breath to live, and ultimately he will suffocate. That's what he's praying about. 
That's why his soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point. It's like, I'm sure he's like, I can't do this. How am I going to do this? Now, this is the amazing part. Remember, we're talking about the sacrificial love of God. And this is that he doesn't pull the plug on the whole thing. He, he does. In fact, you can write this down. Jesus is facing horrific emotional trauma, yet does not change his course. Jesus is facing horrific, even if you, horrific trauma, period. But he doesn't change his course. Why? Love. Is that crazy? Love. By the way, there are other examples of heartfelt love from Christ. In Luke 19, it describes Jesus approaching a city, and he wept over it. The context was the city was resisting God's will, and he wept. Just a little tangent before we finish up this point, there's a good place to be reminded that we serve, oh gosh, we serve this God that we can hardly even fathom, okay? But on the other side, it's important to remember that he, we serve a God who is a God who has emotion, okay? He is not just a computer switch like, did you do something right? Did you do something wrong? Did you do something right? Did you do something, oh, right, wrong. It is not, he is an emotional God. There's this scripture in Ephesians 4 that challenges us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Grief is an emotion. He has longings. In Luke 13, 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus says, how I have longed. He has these wishes. And so that challenged me with a question and it's this, just a fill in the blank. It'll come up on the screen. How am I affecting God's heart? How am I affecting God's heart? What am I doing today? What am I doing in this moment? What will I do tomorrow? So that, here's the opportunity. So that God looks down and I bring, you bring, we bring joy to the Father and not grief. Isn't that a cool opportunity? That your life, my life, God would like, I don't want to, I don't want to focus on this too much, God's amazing, but like he might smile because you loved your neighbor as yourself or you took the time to be with him and pray or you enjoyed one of the gifts that he gave you or you decided instead of doing that immoral thing that you were thinking seems like a good idea but it's a horrible idea, you say, I'm not going to do that because I know that is not what will bring honor to the Father. Does that make sense? Gosh, what an opportunity we have. So that was the first idea. Jesus' sacrificial love included significant emotional stress. One more. His love included the disappointment of unanswered prayer. In verse 39, Jesus prays a prayer. It's a prayer request. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Some of you know he prayed that similar prayer three times. One of the ways that Mark perceived it when he wrote uh, the book of Mark was this. 
Abba, Father, this is another way that he prayed the prayer. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Isn't that interesting? He's like, he's like, Father, you can do anything. Take this cup from me. And the answer to Jesus' prayer was, what did the Father say? No. Isn't that something? It's one of the first times I've ever thought about this. Getting a no from the Father, I think probably was not on Jesus' grid. Because Jesus' regular experience all the time with the Father would be, Father, he would ask for whatever. And God's answer would be, right, are you with me? Like would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so I even thought of this context in the garden of Gethsemane. This was a regular place of prayer if you didn't know this. So this was not the first time he'd ever been there. And I wonder whether he'd been there a dozen times or a hundred times and he would pray prayers like, God, I need wisdom. The answer would be yes. God, I need power to do miracles today. What would the Father's answer be? Yes. Yes. He would say, I'm comf- I need comfort or I'm tired. I need courage. And God would say, Yes, he would say yes. And on this day, though, he like falls on his face before the Father and says, nothing's impossible for you. Can you come up with another way to pay the price of sin in the world so that people can be forgiven and go to heaven? Isn't there another way, God, you can do anything? Come on, God, let's come up with another plan. And God says, no. Ah! And here's the amazing thing about Jesus. He takes it in stride when he has never experienced a no from the Father, ever. And he says, okay. Verse 45 goes back to his disciples. Are you still sleeping and resting? Look. The hour has come, rise, let us go. Instead of pausing and, and wondering, well, God, why? And I can't believe you said no. He says, let's do this. And you know why he said, let's do this? Love. Isn't it crazy? can write this in. Instead of dwelling on God's disappointing answer, Jesus willingly submitted himself to the process. Instead of dwelling on God's disappointing answer, the no, Jesus willingly submitted himself to the process because of love. Oh my, the love of God for you and for me and for others. It's incredible. So to finish up, just a little practical challenge. If you are if you regularly have a, a, 
a posture of leaning away from God. Now, you may do the church thing, and you may say you're a Christian, or maybe you're just visiting or whatever. If you have a posture that turns away from God because you're, a, you're, you're not sure you want to head toward him, can I just give you something to think about? That's dumb. There is no, I don't even have a word for it. There is no greater love, lover of us, carer for us. Now, is God other things? Absolutely. But he cares for you. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He will have a vision for your life. He's just like the best thing ever. And so... Would you please think about it, even if it's for the first time? You should run to a God who would go through all that for you and me. And by the way, in some ways, that's what being a follower of Jesus is. Instead of running away from God and doing our own thing, it's like, Jesus would do that for me? I guess I'll love him back. Why don't you stand? And we're going to close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.